too. Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there everyone this is Fran Lewis from freezing Westchester it's a beautiful day outside and we have the author of the wayward assassin here CIA analyst Maggie Jenkins knows that the assassin who killed her fiance he's still out there she's not gonna stop until she gets him told to stand down she goes rogue after Zara who goes undetective and the author is going to tell us more and if you want to know more I have the number to listen on my Facebook wall. Good morning, Susan. How are you? And welcome to MJ Network. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Fran. I'm excited to get to know you and to talk about my book and hopefully connect with some new readers. Well, you know, it's amazing. I, I put everything on Facebook, and then all of the New York Times authors tell me they love what I write. So you never know who's listening, and which is really great. So... Tell us, give us a brief summary about us, and tell us about Maggie. She's unique, let me tell you, because I've read so many books and different, you know, main characters, whatever. She's a brave one. (laughs) Sure. Um, So I first came up with the idea for Maggie when I was working on Capitol Hill back in the day. I worked for the House Intelligence Committee, which Uh, coincidentally is where Maggie begins her career, Um, and she when we open up The Wayward Assassin, she's currently working for the CIA as an intelligence analyst. Um, And she is a woman pretty traumatized from events uh, in the past year and a half of her life. Her fiancé was murdered overseas and uh, accused of being a traitor. And and this is the basic plot that drives the first book in this series, uh, The Wayward Mm. Spy. Um, So there's a whole series of events that, you know, we're here to talk about assassin, not spy for short is what we call them. <laughs> um, so I won't go into the details on that, but she is, I guess it's about 10 months out after um, she has lost her fiance and um, hunted down the people responsible for his death. Um, when when this book opens, we find that, that she's a woman obsessed with finding the terrorist who mm-hmm. actually pulled the trigger and, and killed her fiancé. Um, and she's, she's out there on her own basically because the CIA and the foreign intelligence agencies that were involved in um, sort of the... the the final events in the first book, believe that this terrorist is dead, but Maggie doesn't. She believes she's alive. So that's where we start, mm. start off in the book. Um, and Maggie needs to be in Russia. She knows that's where she's going to find this terrorist. Her name is Zara, 
and Zara is a, a Chechen, and um, Chechnya is a republic in, in the Caucasus Mountains region of Russia. So Maggie needs to get herself to Russia on an official capacity, but she can't tell the CIA why she wants to be there. Um, so she manages to get in a slot in the U.S. Embassy in the CIA station in Moscow, and that's where the book really kicks off. Well, I actually read your biography before I got on the app. So I said, I wanted to get to know, yeah, uh, what were your background was. That's interesting. There were a whole bunch of authors that I've had the fun of interviewing with CIA and stuff like that. That must have been fun, though. That's different to be able to work for the government. Yeah, it was, um, you know, when I was little, I thought, well, I'll be Nancy Drew when I grow up. You know, I I read all of those (laughs) books. (laughs) <laughs> and then I found out about the world of intelligence, and I, I thought, no, I, I should be a spy. Um, and, you know, as I got older, I quickly realized that being a spy probably wasn't for me. You have to um, insert yourself into dangerous situations yeah. sometimes. And, um, you know, you have to be really smooth and um, persuasive and able to recruit people to betray their own countries and so I realized my strengths were more in the analytical and writing side Um, so I did work for the CIA for a time as an intelligence Mm. analyst before I went over to Capitol Hill so Maggie and I shared an early uh, professional history the difference is I didn't lose a CIA spy fiance to a terrorist attack and I never oh, push off overseas <laughs> on my own trying to track down the bad guys. Well, this this hit home because I was an educator for a very long time. And I work with kids with learning disabilities, and I still do. And it just bothered me. So what made you decide to do this at a school? And as, a, as an educator, we've had a couple of bomb threats and terrorist attacks and stuff. And I have to say that we handled them very nicely without anybody getting hurt. Just freezing outside when you have to stand outside for two hours and pray that you can get back in. But you know what? It yeah. was worth every every bit. Yeah. I worked in a tough yeah. school in the Bronx, but this little girl didn't have any problems with the kids ever. They knew better than to make me not smile. <laughs> it was much better to make me smile, they said. So tell us yeah. what happens at the school and how did the, you know, I'm listening to the news lately, and my niece is in college, and she's going for criminal justice, my my girl, and the other one is going for respiratory therapy, and I worry when they go into the school because of what's happening with bombings and threats in colleges and everything. So what Uh happens in this, yeah, that's scary. How do terrorists get into a school? I mean, really, they're supposed to be guards, but obviously not. Yeah, going back to sort of the, the the big event in the book, which was the Beslan school attack in Russia in 2004. It was a real event. At the time, mm. um, I had two kids in elementary school, and I think about three dozen terrorists simply stormed the school and held everybody captive for three days, and over 300 people died mm. in the siege, and it really... Uh, oh my I god mean, it, it scared the, 
the bejeebas out of me just to think about that happening to my kids. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a very security-minded person because of my intelligence background. And mm-hmm. I, I would look at my kids' elementary school and just think of how really unsecure it was. Um, and, and things did change when, unfortunately, things like the Virginia Tech um, shooting happened and, and then other school shootings mm-hmm. were there was a little bit more, you know, you, you, you can't just walk into an elementary school or a high school, at least where I am um, in Virginia these days, without at least showing ID and showing your face. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in, in this Beslan attack, which really stuck with me, and I knew I would write about it someday, um, so, you know, I, I started this book, I had this attack as sort of the central terrorist feature, and the plot just sort of evolved to where there was going to be a similar attack in the United States. Mm. And um, in, the, in this scenario, um, the, the terrorist herself, Zara, is embedded with a group that's coming on a cultural exchange. Um, and so she's able to get into the school where mm. they already have an insider who works inside of this school um, Mm-hmm. And it's it's insidious. It's I mean, <laughs> when I think about it, it's just absolutely uh, terrifying to think about. And you know, I I know it it can be a tough subject. And without spoilers, the good guys basically win, which is you know I wouldn't want it any other way in this book. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a um, it's a terrifying scenario. And and some of it was really tough to write. And it was sort of delving into my own deepest fears about the safety of my children and other people's children. Well, I do know. My niece's um, school was right next to a parkland when that happened. And she oh. told me, she said, in front of me, I had to be under my desk for hours because they were afraid that they were going to break into her school, which was right there. And she said, yeah. we weren't allowed outside. It was horrible. But I think the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me was that it was a parent came in and attacked a child in the second grade. She tried to anyway attack oh. a child in the second grade because she was having a problem with the daughter. And she shouldn't have been there, but the guard let her in. And Miss Brilliant over here saw her coming in there. She did scratch the kid's face. I grabbed the kid. I said, let's go. And I and my friend had a black belt in karate. She got the parent. I got the child. And we ran as fast as we could and I locked her somewhere. And wow. I was like, my, my principal looked at me. He says, she says to me, are you out of your mind? I go, I had to save the child's life. I didn't want her to get away from the the person that was, you know, knew karate. She She got her. But you know you don't want to you don't want to find out what's going to happen next. And I was worried about the class. And I said to the teacher, "Now get the rest of them out of here, and we'll find yeah. a place for you." Yeah, it was like though she we stuck them in the classroom next door. And I was like, "This is why I'm here." I was like, I was shaking yeah. the rest of the day. And the mother yeah. of the child, she said to me, "If you didn't do that, it probably could have been worse." I was like, yeah. "You know, you don't know." So why Maggie know. was there? Why was Maggie there, and how does she see Zara? I mean, with what's going on in the news with Russia today, oh, my God. Oh, I know. I, you know, it's just a little sidetrack. I've, I've been yeah. writing uh, pieces for, um, for this 
book tour that I'm on, and one of them was, you know, where would you, if there's any place in the world that you could go right now, honest, all expenses paid trip, where would it be? And I said Russia, and I wrote that a week and a half ago, and now I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe that I'll have to change my answer. Um, too late. But so, so Maggie, if, if a little bit into the book, the second or third chapter, she is working at the embassy, the U.S. embassy in Moscow. Um, she's there working the the terrorist angle, the Chechen angle, um, and, you know, I'm happy to go into the whole Russian-Chechen conflict that's been going on for decades, but um, basically it's an insurgency that's been a hot war, kind of a cooled-off war, standoffs over the past 20, 25 years between these Chechen rebels and the Russian government. Uh, the Chechens want a free mm. republic, they're largely Muslim, um, and the Russians you know, they can be pretty brutal. Um, so anyway, Zara, um, she, she's hunting Zara. Where is this woman who shot my fiancé? Um, and they, they, they had met previously in the first book, so they, they know well what they each look like and how they're likely to behave under stress. So uh, the Bezlan school siege happens when she's in Moscow, and uh, she starts seeing footage from the scene. And there are photographs from inside the school, and she sees a woman who's clearly with the rebels and says, I, that's her. I'd know her anywhere. And she manages to get on a humanitarian uh, relief team from the U.S. Embassy to go down there to, you know, provide medical care for the wounded and, you know, food and water, that sort of thing. So she ends up traveling down to Beslan um, with a contingent from the U.S. Embassy, and you know, there's nothing she can do at that point because she can't go into the school. The Russian military is everywhere. Mm. And so she's outside, and, and it's, it's, I think it's uh, day two of the siege is when the Russians started moving against the school. Negotiations failed. You know, it was just a horrid situation. And so in the, in the fictional version, Maggie is outside the school, and there are explosions inside and, and People are fleeing from the school when they can, and she sees this woman carrying a child and um, runs over to help the child who's clearly in, in distress and is injured and realizes it's Zara carrying the child. Zara realizes it's Maggie, and it's one of these moments where they're like, mm. what? And um, although it's not, it's, it's coincidental for Zara, but it's not for Maggie. Maggie believes that this woman is in the school um, in, in Beslan. And Zara takes off. And Maggie wants to run after her, but this child is, you know, bleeding on the ground, and she tends to the child, and, and Zara gets away. Um, and that's when things really take off, because she, Maggie thinks, okay, this is the second time this woman has gotten away from me, and the first one was in the first book. Uh, so I... I I've got to go after her. I don't care what the consequences are. Well, I take it there's going to be a third book. You're going to bring her back again, right? Uh, there is a third book. I There may be a different villain. <laughs> we'll put it that way. I don't want to uh, give away too much on that, but I'm I'm almost done. The third book is The Wayward Target, and that will be out next mm -hmm. spring. Oh, goody. And I hope they send it to me. They probably will. <laughs> I and think, you know, I think they will. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the back of your book because you have death warrant, and 
I just got an email to interview him for that book. So he's next oh. on one of my lists. Yep. Yeah, I, I was not like, read that one yet. It looks really good, so I've got to read that. I have no idea. Whenever they send it, they they get it. And um, the sad part is one of the authors was supposed to be interviewed May 12th, and she, not from the tour, and she just emailed me yesterday that she's not going to get the book until September. So oh. I get a free day. <laughs> yeah, well, I may, I may put in somebody else because I just read. For those of you that don't, that like horror, Vincent Zandri, Moonlight, Moonlight Kills. Oh, my God. He's outrageous. And the ending. Oh. Was very, the ending was really sad. So, who are Warner and Roger, and what is uh, Maggie ordered not to do? So, Roger, well, I'll start with Warner. Um, Warner I like is, Roger. Oh, I do, too. He's Yeah, <laughs> I really like him. He's one of my favorite characters. So, yeah, Warner like is also in, in The Wayward Spy. He, in, in the first book, and in the second book, is the... Um, the deputy director for operations at the CIA, which basically means he's the spy master. He runs all of our covert operations in this fictional CIA. Um, and he was the mentor to Maggie's fiance, who was killed in the first book. And he feels a great deal of responsibility for making sure that nothing bad ever happens to Maggie. He's got some guilt from what happened to her fiance. Um, and he's, he's a father figure. Uh, to Maggie in a certain sense. He's he's not quite old enough to be her father, but he's very wise and um, he does a lot to protect him, to, to protect her that could potentially harm his own career if it came to light that he was, you know, protecting Maggie when she was doing things she should not be doing. Uh, so that's Warner. And then Roger is a CIA operations officer. So that's what, you know, we colloquially, I can't say that word, we tend to call them spies, but he's really, he's a case officer. He recruits spies to, for the CIA. He, um, Maggie, after, after Zara takes off, uh, Maggie is in hot pursuit and kind of gets herself in a situation where she needs to be extracted. And the closest CIA employee is this Roger Patterson, who is mm-hmm. in stationed in Tbilisi, Georgia, which is only, I think it's about four hours from where Maggie is in Chechnya. And uh, he comes to exfiltrate her and get her safely back to Georgia. And she finds him devastatingly handsome and a bit annoying (laughs) at first. (laughs) And um, they, they have just a really fun uh, relationship, I would say. You know, it's not officially a relationship, but just the sort of the back and forth and the power play between the two of them is. I had so much fun writing that. Well, it was good because if he liked her, she liked him too fast. It would be boring. That would not make sense whatsoever. Well, and she's still grieving. You know, her fiance yeah. hasn't even been dead a year. Um, but he has his charms, and um, <laughs> you know, yeah. If she fell for him instantly, that would just that would not be a fun story. That would be silly. So she doesn't, which is good. So we, but she doesn't listen to go to Georgia. She goes to London. So what does she hope to accomplish there? Because you don't mess with Maggie. No. So when she when she 
she she goes to Chechnya. That's where she leaves after after the school yeah. attack in Beslan, um, because that's where Zara's from, and she she knows she's not going to be there because she's pretty much a most wanted terrorist. But she wants to ask around. She needs a lead, and she gets one that Zara has connections to London, and there's mm. supposedly a boyfriend, and so she wants to go to London, and. You know, Warner knows her well enough to know she'll probably get herself in trouble and says, no, you know, we have people there. We have a CIA station. We're, you know, great relationship with British intelligence. And no, you know, go back to Moscow. And she says, okay, with no intention of actually going back to Moscow Mm -hmm. because she's a woman obsessed at this point. She really, um, she can't, she won't let Zara get away again. So she gets up to go to the airport in, in early in the morning before Roger even knows what's going on and flies to London instead of going where she's supposed to go. Um, so that, that's where she is, and, and Roger relatively quickly figures it out uh, where she's gone, so he takes off in pursuit of her because now he's sort of supposed to be her minder in, in Warner's absence and, you know, find her, Bring her back to D.C. We've got this. We will find Zara. Maggie, you need to come home. This is not your job. But she won't hear of it. She's so like me. (laughs) You know, I know because I've always been like that. If I want the answers to something, I'm going to get it myself. I don't depend on anyone else. It's bad. I get like that, and I, I, I had to admire her because you know what? Sometimes you got to do it yourself in order to get it done the right way, or get it done at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have Zara. and she's also got the. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say no, she's go ahead. also got that whole that the whole. Um, she wants to prove everybody wrong. You know, they all yeah, I don't blame her, her. believing. Yeah, believing that Zara was still alive, they, you know, she had to see a CIA psychologist. They thought it was post-traumatic stress, which part of mm-hmm. it probably was. Um, but she knows she's right, and it's probably one of her character flaws that she has to show everybody she's right. And so that drives her to, to keep going and to defy orders. Well, she has to prove it to herself, too, which is okay. Mm-hmm. So now we have mm-hmm. Zara, who I don't like, and we have another character that I didn't like, the Imran. So how come mm-hmm. she goes there, she thinks he's going to protect her, mm-hmm. so why does he have control over her? And he's probably the only one that she's afraid of, well, a little afraid of. Yeah. I, yeah. He, she's afraid of him. Um, I'd be afraid of him. He's crazy. Yeah. He He's a bit crazy. He's volatile. He's powerful. Um, he, yeah. He... He is. Um, he was a spokesman for the Chechen government, which wasn't recognized by the Russian authorities, and they they put out. They, they basically the Russians put out a hit on him, so he fled Chechnya and comes to London and and gets um, political asylum there. And this, I, I believe, this has happened with some Chechen leaders who you know don't have clear and direct ties to violent activities but he's um he's actually a pretty bad guy and it's a it's Mm. you know he's lucky to be in london but he's orchestrating attacks and financing them from london uh you know funneling money from al-qaeda he financed 
Mm. The Beslan attack in this book. And so he and Zara are on-again, off-again lovers. And, um, you know, Zara thinks she can, she can control him with her, her ways, her feminine wiles. Um, and to a mm-hmm. degree she can. But she's in a heap of trouble because, uh, you know, Maggie saw her coming out of the Beslan school. Mm. So she knows that at least, at a minimum, the CIA is hunting her. At worst case scenario, Russians are also hunting her because the Americans might have told the Russians this is who one of the terrorists is who got away. Um, so she's dependent on, on him to protect her. Well, this is, this is the next part that's really scary. Okay, so Maggie decides to stay, and Roger's supposed to work with her. How come she takes so many dangerous chances? And I want to come to a character that we're going to speak about briefly, but not too much. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Maggie, at this point, she's not on, she's kind of teetering on the cliff of acting rationally and and then just kind of throwing it all out the window and just, you know, going all out doing whatever it takes to get Zara. At this point in the book, I think she would actually kill Zara um, if she had the opportunity. And, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's, she's, she's lost sight, I think, of herself at this point. Um, you know, she, she's your all-American girl next door, and she's so obsessed and so... Um, Full of hate for Zara, and she just wants revenge. And like I said, she wants to be proven right. Um, and so she's willing to do whatever it takes. And um, she's pretty good at it, especially since she's not actually trained in operations. Yeah. She she's an intelligence analyst. Now you know she would talk with her fiance about things he was doing, and um, so she's not completely unfamiliar with the world of intelligence operations but she goes on her gut her instincts you know she doesn't she doesn't have um martial arts training and she doesn't have exceptional skills with firearms but she's got enough and she despite her kind of mad fixation on zara uh she she doesn't lose control of her of her wits and she listens to her guts and analyzes everything. She's, she's an analyst and, and manages to um, pull through her crazy actions. Um, Not necessarily unscathed, but um, yeah, she's, she's not thinking entirely. She's thinking rationally, but she's not thinking about the risks of what she's doing clearly. Well, here's a character that, hmm, We'll just briefly say something about Yuri, but not too much. He's attached to Warner, and then we have Dal that's attached to Roger. How come? There are two in them. Okay, so you, yep. So Yuri, um, Yuri makes an appearance in the first book as well. He he is mm-hmm. a former KGB officer um, living in the United States, now running a criminal enterprise for the Russian mafia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's making more money than he ever thought. And he, he and Warner, back in the Cold War days, had a, a couple of encounters um, overseas, and um, so they know each other 
professionally, quote unquote. Um, and there's a certain camaraderie between them because, mm. you know, after 9-11 and it, actually after the collapse of the Soviet Union, sort of their whole world's changed. You know, Warner, Warner was fighting the evil empire of the Soviet Union and, and Yuri was fighting the evil Americans, um, you know, in the dark streets and alleys and all that fun cloak and dagger stuff. So they, they have a shared common experience, even though it was from opposite sides of, you know, the Cold War of Soviet versus the American. Um, so they, they, they sort of have this relationship. Um, Warner, uh, Yuri provides Warner with some information in the first book that helps um, unravel a terrorist plot. He doesn't do it willingly. He's not helping the Americans. But um, in this in the second book, Yuri is up to some bad things. I, I don't want to do no, yeah. spoilers, but he he's up to no good, and he knows who Maggie is, and he knows who Zara is, and he wants to know what Warner knows about both of them, but he can't come out and ask straight up. Mm. So he you know, he engages in some subterfuge and, and some lies. Um, so that's that's where Yuri uh, comes into this book. He's he's not as much of a help. He's more of a what the heck is this Russian up to kind of situation. Um, I had great, great fun writing about Yuri, though. He's, you know, he's a bad guy, but he's one of my favorite characters to write about. Um, and then for Daoud, he is a... Um, a young 20-something Chechen who has come to the United States and is working um, in a think tank of sorts that focuses on like Central, Central Europe, Eastern Europe issues. Um, but he was actually recruited to, by Roger several years prior to provide intelligence on Chechens who were going to Afghanistan to train with Al-Qaeda, um, and, and provide that sort of um, information. And Roger and, and Dawood lose contact for a while. Um, there's a whole backstory for Roger where he leaves the CIA for a time. Um, and so they, they haven't been in touch for a few years. But when Roger comes, Roger and Maggie come into possession of some documents that they need translated from uh, Chechen to Russian, or uh, to English, pardon me, um, and they want to do this on the fly and, and not necessarily bring that information to the CIA, um, Roger says, hey, I know a guy. He can translate this for us. And that's how Dawood gets pulled into this whole mess, which he's sort of already involved in um, anyway. Now, this part scared me because, you know, you listen to the news now with all the attacks on schools, and kids are really scaring me that they just go into schools and kill their friends and shoot up things mm-hmm. because this is horrible. So how does she learn about a possible attack on the Capitol Day School? And what evidence does she have that, that whether it's a real threat or whether it's not a threat, you have to do something about it. can't just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the... When Maggie is in London, she finds some information that mm. Zara's involved in another attack, and it's going to be in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, 
through digging and analytical work without giving away all the information. This involves Daoud, our, our Chechen friend, too. Um, she discovers that there is going to be a cultural exchange um, of a Chechen group visiting American schools in the D.C. area. And she sees that the first school is this imaginary school. The, capital, the first school on this tour is the Capital Day School where the president's children go. It's a private school. Mm. And, you know, Secretary of Defense, senators, they send their kids to that school. And, of course, thinking of that as a target, you know, what, what, a, what a coup that would be for a terrorist group to, you know, it's horrible to even think about, but to attack the children of U.S. leaders. Um, mm. So that's, you know, that the evidence is thin, it's analytical, um, you know, it's based on analysis, not based on, um, you know, really hardcore proof. It's a theory, but it's persuasive enough that it sets, uh, you know, U.S. security into motion. And, and when that fails to materialize, that attack, there are other places where this attack might be, but as the days go by and nothing happens. They, they mm. the, the officials, U.S. officials, start looking at Maggie like the girl who cried wolf. Yeah. And eventually, she's really the only one. And she even starts to question it herself. Um, and you know, I think Warner and Roger believe her. They they don't think she's crazy, but they think she's. A, she's far too close and emotionally entangled in everything that has to do with Zara that they want other people to take over and let Maggie take a couple days off or just back off. And they're worried about her um, because she seems to be getting a bit desperate. You know, it worries me sometimes. You know how many, I can't even tell you how many mystery thrillers and murders and terrorist books I've read. I lost count of it, thousands of them. And then I, sometimes I get worried because people read these books and I wonder if they actually try in real life to mirror what happens in the book. It gets me nervous. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I know. And I, you know, I, I actually wrote this book in 2007. And so mm-hmm. there had been like a few school shootings and obviously Beslan happened in 2004. But there was a time where I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to give anyone any ideas. And, you know, I just, if you, you know, if you're already part of a terrorist group and you have your, it doesn't matter, (laughs) it doesn't matter. And, you know, an ordinary person couldn't do this. An ordinary person wouldn't do this. You know, obviously I think school shooters are a much bigger threat. But when I wrote this book, you know, this was still, this was before bin Laden was captured. This was, we were still in Mm -hmm. Iraq, um, it wasn't quite like it was right after 9-11 where everybody was just waiting for the next attack to happen. Um, but this is sort of the, the sum of all my fears that something horrible would happen here in the United States and a terrorist group would, would perpetrate it. Um, and so enter Maggie. <laughs> we need a hero. We need somebody who's going to know that this is happening and mm-hmm. stop it before it's too late. Um, so that's you know I'm sure a psychiatrist could tell me all about you know that I'm, that you know I created Maggie to save the world for some reason because I felt like I couldn't which you know of course is true none of us can save it ourselves so 
It's 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 scary. I mean, I've read so many that sometimes they teach you how to make a bomb, how to blow this up, mm-hmm. how to do all sorts mm-hmm. of chemical things. And there was one book I said, if I was that type of person, I could actually do what they person did. They described it so in detail that I even wrote yeah. to the author and I said, you should not have written that because there are people that are going to mirror what you did and they can learn how to use these particular things. But before yeah. I forget, uh, tomorrow, I don't usually do two days in a row, but yeah, I didn't realize what I was doing when I did it, but that's okay. Tomorrow we have uh, Veronica Webster and Driven, the Rita Mar series. On the 8th, we have uh, one of my favorite people in the universe, Philip Mongolin, The Darkest Place. He's great. Andrea Kane, At Any Cost, on the 10th. On the 15th, she writes with James Patterson, Nancy Allen, Renegade. On the 17th, I'm doing something I've never done before. We're going to do a special on women's history with women authors. We've got Marcia Casper-Cook, Stella Terre Hart, and Sylvia True, and we're going to talk about their novels and their writing about the Holocaust. That should be really good. On the 22nd, the author of Gambling with Murder. On the 24th, Roy Johansson, an Irish will probably be listening, Killer View. And America, we have American African Vengeance on the 28th. I can't believe I have all this. On the 30th, one of my favorite people, Lee Matthew Goldberg, Vanish Me. And on the 31st, FBI agent Michael Tabman and I are going to tackle what's in the news. It could be almost anything. Wow. And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. He's great. But he, when when an FBI agent or former FBI agent has to do something, they have to get it approved by them to be able to do it. He can't just mm-hmm. come on and just say, he had to show them my questions and stuff. So I know I passed inspection. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, you never know what I'm going to do. But I, it, talking to him, you never. It's going to be. It's going to be great. So, in real life, she'd be in trouble. So why does she apologize to Roger? And how come poor Roger gets captured? I like Roger. He's got to get free. So sad. Yeah, I. She, um, in real life, she would get in trouble for sure, unless yeah. she had a warner on her side. You know, one of the top. CIA officials who helps kind of cover up her misdeeds a bit. Um, he doesn't cover them up. He covers for her. He makes sure that like her bosses, her direct boss doesn't know what she's doing and where she is. And, mm. um, you know, at some point, uh, I, I think if the book hadn't ended the way it did with, you know, some triumph for Maggie, um, she would have been fired, but it's going to be hard to fire an American hero <laughs> at that point. So, no, you uh, can't so fire her. Continue. No, she will continue in her, in her jobs in the intelligence world going forward. Um, so she, she, I mean, I think there's, a, there's definitely a part of her that knows that um, she, could be, she could be taking down Roger and his career, um, because yeah. he's helping her, and and she's, you know, he's got to deal with her decisions, and and um, to be fair, she she should let him take over. He's the the guy with the operational training, um, mm. but it, you know, it turns into more of a tag team effort, and you poor Roger, um, when they're <clears throat> snooping around in London, and he 
he takes a little bit of a risk himself instead of just um, doing what he's supposed to do, which is to retrieve an item they've left behind. He decides to snoop around and is captured um, and by the bad guys. And um, at that point, Maggie's like, oh, well, you know, he rescued me once. I can't leave him here. I don't know what these people are going to do to him. And so yeah. Maggie hides out until the opportunity uh, presents itself for them to escape. Um, and so now they're even. <laughs> Roger has helped her. Uh, you know, she wasn't in imminent danger, but she was sort of stuck when she was in, in Chechnya. And, um, you know, mm. Roger's in, in imminent danger when uh, he gets involved with Zara and her paramour. Um, so now they're even, and, and they're, they've escaped, um, but so has Zara <laughs> again. She's not going to stop till she gets this miserable witch, and I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they they weren't taking her seriously. How and why did they finally realize that maybe Maggie's right, and they got to do something to stop this whole mess? You know, they they almost realize it too late. I mean, it is in a sense yeah. too late because we're, now we're talking about the end of the book. Um, yeah. And again, I, you know, I think I think. Warner and Roger know she's onto something, but the FBI guys are just sort of like, who is who? Who is this crazy woman? She doesn't, you know, nothing she said has happened, and we think we know what the real target is, um, and it's not what Maggie says it is. Um, but Maggie can't shake the feeling that something's terribly wrong, and she knows Zara. Unlike, I mean, she knows her personally from the encounters they had in The Wayward Spy. Um, so she she just can't. She knows that she needs to trust her gut, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what anyone else says. And, you know, thank goodness she does, because the there's, you know, Zara sort of sets up a, a false, uh, it's a red herring where she makes, the U.S. officials think the attack is going to be something else, but Maggie doesn't fall for it. Maggie doesn't fall for anything. She's really smart, despite what those people mm-hmm. think. So mm-hmm. this was this was really a scary scene. The final scenes. How did you create it? And how did you create the final scene with her and Dara? Zara, that was really good. Yeah, um, a little bit of sweat and even some tears. I mean, I you know. Yeah. It, it 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 was this ultimate confrontation and um, just you know I always try to put myself in my character's shoes whether it's Zara or or Yuri or obviously Maggie who's the one I can relate to the most but even so like I would never put myself inside of a situation that like she did where you know there's there are armed men and and things could go sideways at any minute so. I, I just, um, I really put myself in the scene. I pictured myself inside of this school, and I imagined where all of the things could go wrong and how how should Maggie react um, when she encounters Zara or one of the other terrorists. Um, and I think the, the scene with Zara where they're sort of hashing out their their differences, <laughs> to put it mildly, um, 
it you know it's really it's pivotal because um, it almost snaps Maggie out of it to realize how close she came to becoming Zara. You know, Zara Zara that she's had a, a lot of trauma in her life, and like Maggie, she's obsessed with justice. But Maggie realizes that justice doesn't mean cold-hearted, you know, bloodshed and vengeance against people who had nothing to do with what happened to you in your life. Um, so it's it's an important moment for Maggie to say, okay, wait a second here. Like, I I can't turn into what Zara has become. And... Um, it, it was it was a tough scene to write because it could have gone mm-hmm. any number of ways and you know I, I had different scenarios for the ending like two or three different scenarios where different people lived different people died <laughs> so until I finally settled on the final one so um, yeah it well, was should... um, it was tough. <laughs> it was tough. It was a much more. At least more, you didn't kill. Um, you didn't call off the people I like. Wait, wait till I talk to Philip Margolin next week. He killed off a main character. Oh. And he, yeah, he killed off somebody that I loved and been in every book. Oh. And he sort of made it difficult for the main character, for Robin, to move ahead. And I'm like, why did you do this to me? I had a box of tissues <laughs> out in the third chapter. I was like, what? And I read it three times to make sure that I was right. And I was like, I don't want to be right. I was right. Oh, God. Oh. Let me just, yeah. wait, 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 just wait. And I love him. He's great. And he even emailed me yesterday on, on Goodreads. He sent me a message. This is the research I did, blah, blah, blah. I added to this question. They go, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Sarah was filled with hate and revenge. She also couldn't believe that her aunt was gone. So nothing was going to stop her. And then you talked about Maggie, Roger, and Morna. What memories did they have that you brought in? Yeah, they each, I, I wove a little bit of their past into, into yeah. this book for each of them. Um, so, you know, Maggie, she's having flashbacks to um, her previous encounters with Zara in the first book and, and what happened in Beslan. She's remembering her fiancé. She has a few um, flashbacks to their time together. She's just kind of reliving everything she went through. It was not even a year before. Um, and when I get to the third book, she, you know, she still has a little bit of that, um, but it's it's not like a constant presence for her. She there can be events that sort of trigger memories, but it's not every day of her life that she can't believe her fiance is dead. At that, you know, book three, she's in the acceptance phase, really, and she's getting into that in in this wayward assassin as well. Um, Roger, we get a little bit of a glimpse into his past um, and a, a girlfriend who died that he feels responsible for um, the circumstances that led to her death. Um, and it, it gives him a little more, a little more depth. I think that he is also suffering and grieving and nobody knows it until he tells Maggie. Um, and that helps them to bond. So, you know, those, those are his, some of his memories. You know, they're not explicitly spelled out in terms, you know, he's not having flashbacks to events, but, we learn a little bit more about his past. Um, 
and then Warner, you know, he he's he's got some some memories with um, with Yuri, and as a when he was a younger CIA case officer, you know, running around Europe trying to mess with the KGB and and all that fun stuff. Um, and and when he really felt like a superstar, he's he doesn't love all of this management stuff that he has to do, but it's kind of what happens in your career. <laughs> Once you get too old to, you know, be mm-hmm. running around in the streets of uh, of wherever, chasing the bad guys, um, you're back at headquarters. Um, and also, you know, he, he, he still carries this weight of um, the death of Maggie's fiance, and he was, you know, he was he was supposed to be the best man at their wedding. Um, he was he was very close with her fiance, who was um, a star student of his. He was his protege at the CIA. Um, so they've they've all got they've all all got these loads that they carry. Um, but I think they're all moving they're moving forward, all of them in their own way and at their own pace. It's amazing that they're all sane at their own pace. So here comes one of my. I, I you know, I it asking the questions. Actually, you know, when I re, I read the book, it take I take my time and I underline and destroy the book. I'm serious. I circle. <laughs> I write a cue next to what I want to ask questions. This is something that I learned um, from my college professor, who's coming on now in May again. They're going to doing a third seminar because I'm a reading specialist in writing, and Dr. Cavuto is the reason why I understand everything, because he taught me a lot. And we're going to talk about um, uh, testing children through problem solving and why teachers that or classroom teachers need to learn how to teach reading the right way. And that's my specialty. And we're going to talk about, I actually have the primers from the 1800s. I got them. Sure. So we're going to talk about comparing reading material from the past and the present. And He's the reason why I understand everything because he told me I was his smartest student when he first started, and he tortured me for 15 weeks. Yeah, I had to come into class prepared to never know what he was going to ask. And the first time I handed in something, he told the class that they were all stupid. And then he looked at me, he said, except you, you're very smart. I go, I didn't know I was that smart. Yeah. He's he's amazing. And the fact that he's coming on, this is the third time he's doing a seminar with me. So and and I have to be ready because he does ask me to answer questions too. It's a double interview. Mm. Mm. It's fun. Excellent. So <laughs> there were several themes in this book: revenge, justice, hate, grief, tragedy, and of course terror. So how did you connect all of them? And the characters have strong flaws. And how did you incorporate that into their novels? Because if a character doesn't have a flaw, they get boring. Yeah. Totally boring. Um, I'll I'll start with the themes first. And I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm writing a book, I don't think theme. It it comes out as I write. So I obviously mm-hmm. have it somewhere in my subconscious. Um, but I didn't start this book thinking this is a book about revenge and justice. I mean, I, I guess in a way I did, but I think about it as a storyline rather than you know starting out saying this is what it's about and now I have to write the story around that. I start writing the story and then I'm like, oh, that's what this story is about. So you're right. This is about all of those things. Um, and, and I think in my characters, particularly Maggie and Zara, um, revenge and justice, are they're like opposite sides of the same coin. Um, Maggie is seeking justice and she's sort of teetering on the end, edge of, of 
focusing on the revenge as opposed to what, what does justice really mean for her? And Zara conflates the two. Revenge and justice are the same. I will, you know, wipe out everybody who's had anything to do with the misery I've suffered. Um, so under different circumstances, Maggie and Zara might be very, very similar people. Um, but it's how they handle their tragedies and even even the magnitude of them that, that differentiates them. I mean, I think Zara's had it much harder than Maggie. It doesn't make her a sympathetic character, but as we're speaking about flaws, it explains some of what she does. She's completely evil, but it's an explanation mm-hmm. that she can't separate her thirst for vengeance and and you know her thinking that that will be the final justice she needs when in fact it's not going to heal her in any way to you know kill innocent people um and i think you know maggie lets her her hatred and grief blind her for for a Mm. time to what what she's really doing um and that you know I, i think it starts to fall away um the the blind hatred as for zara as the, as the story goes on um the grief will stay and you know I, then again zara can't let go of either and that's probably her greatest flaw and and you know is is not going to serve her well in this story um you know zara's grief turns into hate maggie's grief is hate, you know, has a component of hate to it, but it's it, it doesn't end up consuming her, which, thank goodness, because that wouldn't make her a very sympathetic um, hero for our story either. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I try to, you know, connect the, the tragedies, the grief, the revenge, the justice, the terror, through the cat and mouse game that we have going on between Zara and Maggie, each hunting each other, uh, in different ways and at, at different paces throughout the story. Um, and in, <clears throat> I think the, the final confrontation is sort of inevitable um, because they can't keep hunting each other and just missing each other for, forever. Um, so that, that's sort of how I brought those together, um, you know, brought those two characters together was through this cat and mouse game and it sort of unifies all of these themes and separates them as different types of people despite the Mm. things they have in common um so yeah and as far as flaws yeah everybody has to have a flaw you can't have you know in in a story in real life you can't have a perfect hero or a perfect villain it's just it's so one-dimensional and it's boring and then there's no room for growth for the characters and Mm. You know, Maggie learns from her flaws. I don't think Zara does. She won't. Um, she won't learn anything. She's so she sad. she won't. Uh, she she's a tragic character. I I I don't feel bad for her, but I want her to wake up. But yeah, she won't. Um, and I mean, she's she's. I don't know. If she's blind or just doesn't want to see the havoc that she wreaks or she, you know she could be a bit of a psychopath and doesn't care um this is zara not maggie um 
Maggie can be blind to her the havoc she wreaks in her own life. You know, she doesn't really foist that upon innocent people. I mean, she mm-hmm. feels bad for almost dragging Roger down and, and even to a degree Warner, who ultimately might have to answer for her uh, mm-hmm. reckless behavior overseas. Um, fortunately, Maggie, you know, has enough of a, a center that she, she backs away from the cliff before um, her, her flaws completely consume her. Um, and, you know, even Roger, when we learn about some of his past, he, you know, he did some not great things, um, maybe for the right reasons, but, you know, it hurt other people in the process. And, and I think he's starting to see that there's another way, and it might involve Maggie. So we'll, we'll leave that for future books. Well, tell us where we can find out more about you and your future book. And when it comes out, I want to be the first one to get it. Uh, so w- right now the publication date for The Wayward Target is probably April of 2023, but it's not set in stone. Um, okay. So I'm t- trying to get these out w- one book a year. Um, and the best way to find me on social media is is instead of me kind of rattling off my different handles is um, to go to my website, which is my name, SusanOlette.com. Um, and I have, you know, the little icons for Facebook and Instagram and Goodreads and all of that, that people can just click on those and, and find me where I am. But I, I have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, uh, BookBub. I'm trying to think what else. Did I say Twitter? I have Twitter, too. Well, I want to thank you for brightening my morning. I really needed it to be brightened oh. today. <laughs> and this oh, is great. And um I'll ha- I'll have to s- I do panel shows by the way. You never know what it's- what I'm going to do. I'm doing one probably I have five authors otherwise I would make number 6. I'm doing one with the settings and where a story takes place. So how Ooh. the settings of these stories are educational. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting because John Gilshap's coming on with that one. Alan Topol and uh, Steve Harms, a whole bunch bunch of people have decided to brave this on April 7th. But I do <laughs> I do panel shows out of nowhere. Um, I've done where we've talked about the one, the one that was exciting was in January. We talked about the last line of a novel and how it drives either to have a, an ending or it lets you know there's more that's com- coming. I never know what I'm going to do. But I want to thank you so much, everybody. This is what I say at the end of every show. You know, listening to the news about the people in the Ukraine makes me sad. And it's so sad that countries around the world that we can't get along. So doing an act of kindness is what I feel I do every single day. When I do the shows, I do it because I want to, because it's fun. And I think people need to stop being nicer to each other. And if everybody gets nice, then maybe the pandemic will go away and never come back. That's that's what I think. So everybody have a great day, Susan. Have a great day. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you.